0: when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that.
1: We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun. It ought to be illegal. Coach Harris, they talk. Is that something you just ignore? Yeah. Yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job. And I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it. But it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be
0: to win the Sunbelt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. we got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies
1: at the tarmac when you got the the Um. A lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, it was like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming.
0: We're coming, and we ain't backing down.
2: It's time for Carolina football. So get the fuck out of your seats. Spurs up. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And unfortunately, this is going to be a solo pod. Cousin Shane is not moving this week. He's got a new excuse. He's got to work. So he'll be back on the next episode. At least that's what he's saying. I've heard that one before, but uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, he doesn't have to work as late next uh, on the next episode. We'll get one out to you. But I uh, thought about not even doing one. You know, this is not going to be a long podcast. But... Um, Got a little bit too much news going around to the SEC right now to to just go without uh, a pod. Wanted to give you guys something to listen to on your way to work on Tuesday. So uh, let's just get right into it here. Right before I started recording this podcast, the SEC announced terrible news here. Ole Miss at Texas A&M has been postponed. That was uh, the game that uh, this weekend I was kind of looking forward to the most. I don't know about y'all, but this was uh, the CBS game. Once again, this has twice been picked by CBS to be their game, and twice it has been postponed. They were going to have it at night there in College Station. Would have been a hell of a matchup here between Lane Kiffin and Jimbo Fisher's program, but scheduled for December 12th. Been postponed due to uh, COVID numbers at Ole Miss. They were the ones that had to shut down their program in the middle of the week last week, so... And we're getting into a dicey situation here because uh, Texas A&M's got Tennessee on December 19th. So unless something happens here, I think essentially, unless that Tennessee-Texas A&M game can't be played, I think that's the only way this Ole Miss A&M is going to happen. Certainly sounds like the league is going to have to basically cancel this game. This will probably be the first official cancellation of the SEC season. That's a damn shame. But uh, that's not official yet, so they're not calling it that. They're they're calling it a postponement for now. You know, I'm kind of surprised. We're going to talk a little Tennessee Vanderbilt here, that they don't try to make Texas A&M play Tennessee this week. That would probably make more sense. Maybe try to get this uh, Ole Miss-Texas A&M December 19th. That, you know, would, would make some sense here. But, again, Ole Miss still has to play LSU. So I don't know how they're going to work this thing out. Not looking good, but just wanted to bring that information. And as far as the other games, they're all on for now. And we're running out of weeks. We're running out of postponement dates. So, uh, I don't know. That's just uh, unfortunate news. But, hey, speaking of that Tennessee-Vanderbilt matchup, just when you didn't think things could get worse here, Tennessee recruiting class kind of falling into shambles. They just, of course, they just, They picked up a commit. They lost a commit, and they they picked one up here on Monday. And fans were—I hate when fans uh, rip into a guy for committing to their school and and looking at his stars and his and his offers and all that. But let's just say that uh, you know he didn't have—they didn't beat out any SEC programs for this guy. But uh, so fans were giving him hell. But that's not really what I want to talk about. Tennessee, you know, we'll preview this Vanderbilt game in, in the days to come. But kind of the big news. You know, the biggest thing for the Vols here on Monday. Good, right. Brett a starting kicker, announced that he's opted out of the season. And he did it during the middle of Jeremy Pruitt's press conference. So, what a weird time to do that. And it's not even so much that the guy opted out. And, you know, this, this is an unusual situation to be sure. Uh, if you don't know, I mean, Pruitt's been trying to hit at it. Uh, because Samaglia has not been very – I don't want to say he's been bad, but he's just – he's not been up to the level that he has been in uh, recent seasons. He's been one of the SEC's best kickers. He's not been that this year. And Pruitt's, uh, you know, again, he's kind of hinted at it many times. We'll get to his comments here in just a second. But uh, Brett somaglia I'm not going to read you his full statement here, but he says, with a heavy heart, I've decided to opt out for the remainder of 2020 – football season. It's taken some time to come to this conclusion. However, my focus is working on my mental well-being and physical health. And then uh here's kind of the key phrase here from Samaglia, "Due to many hardships and struggles within the program, it is in my best interest to take this additional time to rehabilitate ongoing injuries. I look forward to giving my best in the future." And like I said, he dropped that in the middle of Pruitt's press conference here. So uh, I've got the the Pruitt clip. We're gonna we're gonna dive into more of Pruitt's comments later. But I just really wanted to have this, uh, you know, what Jeremy Pruitt had to say about it. According to Pruitt, it sounds like Samaglia is welcome back on the team next season. But uh, why he needed to opt out instead of just sit out, I do not know. And that leads me to believe that uh, Samaglia's return to Tennessee is is not as concrete as Pruitt kind of tries to sell here. Uh, Jeremy, Brent Samaglia just posted that he's opting out of the remainder of the season due to injuries. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And then do you expect him back next season?
1: Yeah. You know, I just got done having a conversation with him and um, you know, he's, he's, I've said this before, he's uh, played through, uh, you know, difficult circumstances uh, throughout the season Um, you know, and me and him just got done talking and, um, you know, he feels like that it's better for him not to participate the, the remainder of the season and put him in a better spot to get ready for next year. Uh, so his indication to me is, yeah, he's coming back next year.
2: Then who do you expect to have handle place kicking duties the rest of the season? Well,
1: Paxton's been doing it. Paxton's been our backup and, um, you know, if not him, Toby Wilson, so, uh, when we play home games, Toby uh, comes, and he's kind of the, the backup kicker. Um, you know, this past week, Paxton was not in practice the entire week, so uh, Toby was there and was ready. Uh, so we'll we'll figure that out as the, as the week goes.
2: All right, so like Shane and I talked on the last episode, you know, speculation, maybe uh, Tennessee losing Jay Graham to South Carolina. Again, that's not official either. We'll have to wait till the uh, probably the end of the regular season, which is after the early signing period. It's it's kind of dirty how this works out. If and keep in mind, I'm this is just speculation here. So if Jay Graham moves, we won't know for probably a week or two. But um, if that does happen, and you got you know players like Samaglia opting out in the middle of the week here, when I said you know he could just sit out, it's it's just really hard to sell behind the scenes what's going on there at Tennessee. It's kind of you know everyone's taking their shots, and and you know a lot of people have turned on Pruitt, and I, understandably, you know the team's struggling so much. But a lot of people also, kind of like myself, you know I don't want to say defending Pruitt because at the, at this point, I, it's not like I think he's the world's greatest coach or anything. But it's just it's getting harder and harder to do <laughs> when you see shit like this. So that's not good. And then on the flip side of this, the same game against Vanderbilt, yeah, again here's another reason I say. You know, it would make sense for the SEC to switch the schedules around, give us Texas A&M and Tennessee this week, although they haven't done that, and I think it's too late to switch it. I think the deadline was Monday evening. But Vanderbilt, senior captain, defensive lineman. Dude, I'm going to butcher this damn name. I feel like Shane's saying this one. Deo Addenangbo, defensive lineman, senior, captain, played throughout his time at Vanderbilt. He has opted out. So Vanderbilt, hell, they couldn't even go last week because their numbers are so thin. They've had injuries. They've had opt-outs. I believe this is 17 guys that have opted out of the Vanderbilt program at some point this season. We're going back to training camp and and, uh, when they made the decision, you know, that players can opt out and transfer and do whatever the hell they want. I believe this is number 17. So your team's already gutted. Don't have depth. You lose one of your key players here. This uh, Tennessee Vanderbilt is, I don't even know if it's going to go on. I mean, I'm not even kidding when, when Shane and I say that. Uh, the teams are in such disarray. But just a nightmare scenario here for this game. And this is going to be one of the ugliest damn games probably on on the SEC slate this week. All right, the main reason here, I wanted to uh, talk. I mean, I've, God, this has been such a damn downer already of a show. <laughs> Not trying to depress anybody, but hell, we got bring to it, bring it back up because South Carolina officially introduced Shane Beamer, her new coach there in Columbia, met with the media. He talked for damn near an hour, so I really had to condense this down. And without Shane, uh, you know, instead of just throwing it to the coach and then going to the flip side, I think uh, the best way is just kind of to break this up piece by piece. So we're going to cover a number of topics here. Then we'll cut to the clip, and then uh, and we'll just continue to do that a couple times here. But, uh, you know, by all indications, it's incredibly hard to lose the opening press conference, and Shane Beamer didn't do it. I mean, he knocked it out of the park. What does that really mean for the program? Not much. I'd, I'd be concerned if you don't win the opening press conference, but he really did uh, an outstanding job. He didn't read. looked to me like he read anything off a statement and uh, like I said, he talked for almost an hour here, spoke from the heart, uh, spoke to you know his time there and his family's time there. So uh, let's just take this piece by piece. And in his introductory, before he started even taking questions, he talked about all the former players that have reached out to him. And I thought this was great, his talking about the, the family, how fired up they were once. Uh, hey, the family's, family's on the message, message boards too, apparently. So let's kick it over to uh, Shane Beamer.
0: I told my wife when this process was going on that I didn't know how this thing was going to finish, but regardless of what happened, I would would have been crushed if this thing didn't happen. But I told her just the amount of former players that I heard from during this time that reached out to me or that I found out reached out to coach Tanner and our administration to recommend me and jump on the table for me was extremely, extremely humbling. It reaffirmed why I coach. Uh, Obviously, Saturdays are important. Wins and losses are what you're judged doing, but the opportunity to have an impact on a young man's life and to have a guy like a Marcus Lattimore call me out of the blue and, and tell me stories of things that I barely remember that he talked about, conversations we had. A guy like a Connor Shaw, driving home from work two weeks ago and to have Melvin Ingram and Akeem Auguste FaceTime me just to catch up. Uh, Patrick DeMarco, Tori Gorley. I can go on and on and on. Alshon Jeffrey, Stefan Gilmore, I've heard from so many of them over the last couple of weeks and, and thank you, thank you. This is your program. I'm honored to be your head football coach, but this is your program and you guys laid the groundwork. You are always welcome here and thank you for allowing me the opportunity uh, to be here. I was telling Coach Tanner in my interview process, my son, he's seven, uh, for the last two weeks that he knew about this opportunity. He knew about Carolina. Every single night when I came home, uh, they would text me, see, are you close to home? i say, yeah, I'm about five minutes away. And lo and behold, every single night when I walked in the house, sandstorm would be blaring in our kitchen, and my seven-year-old would be waving his T-shirt uh, above his head. Uh, so no pressure at all on that one. But it was pretty cool to see when this thing came uh, to fruition, uh, late, late, late Saturday night, uh, I've still got some old Carolina clothes that I had from my time here. My kids put those on; they're excited about it, and can't wait to uh, can't wait to get them over here.
2: All right, so how great is that? Is it his son there? You know, he's fired up to get back to get to Columbia and hear Sandstorm for real in Williams-Brice Stadium. That's going to be a sight to behold, and uh, you know, just listen to what uh, Coach Beamer had to say there. You know, he listed a number of guys there, but uh, it was pretty interesting to me that he mentioned Marcus Lattimore and Connor Shaw. Again, no decisions have been made on. We'll get more to his staff and all that, but it certainly leads me to believe that Connor Shaw's got a place on Coach Chain Beamers' staff, which has got to be great news for. You know, how do you not? How are you not a fan of Connor Shaw? Not only you know, what he brings to the program. But in addition to that, his uh, relationship there with uh, five-star quarterback commit Gunnar Stockton. So by no, I can't see a a negative in bringing Connor Shaw on this staff. And, again, nothing finalized there. But I think uh, as the staff comes together, Shane Beamer is going to find a place for Connor Shaw on this staff, which is first step. You can't really go wrong in these opening pressers, but uh, you can certainly go wrong in your opening days. I think back to Butch Jones not retaining Sam Pittman when he wanted to be retained, not retaining Jim Chaney. I know he's not popular right now on Rocky Top, but he was at the time. Those moves basically doomed Butch from the start here. So it looked, hopefully Shane Beamer does not make that same mistake, and he brings Connor Shaw on his full-time staff here in South Carolina. All right, next comments here. Everybody wants to know what kind of offense we're going to run. You know, what kind of staff we going to build? What kind of coordinators are you looking to hire? It's too early in the process. He's, he just got the job, and a lot of the guys that he's going to be adding to his staff currently coaching with their program. So, obviously, he can't just go out there and say, well, hell yeah, we're going to get Jay, Jay Graham. <laughs> Jay Graham would have a hell of a week here in uh, Tennessee the next couple of weeks trying to answer questions. So, again, that's just speculation. I don't know that uh, Jay Graham's leaving. I don't want to piss off too many Tennessee fans keep saying that, but uh, let's kick it over to to Shane Beamer, who talks about, uh, you know, the system he wants to run, the coaches he wants to bring in here, and, uh, you know, what kind of, uh, basically the key being here, what kind of offense they want to run during his time in Columbia.
1: I wanted to ask you, you mentioned a little bit about getting the chance to work with Coach Riley. Philosophically, schematically, what kind of offense and defense uh, are you gonna try to build uh, here Here with the Gamecocks?
0: Well, it's one thing uh, that I've learned from, from Lincoln is your system's gotta be flexible enough where you can adjust it to the strengths of the players that you have. Uh, our offensive system, for example, at Oklahoma is a little bit different right now, or a lot different than it was this year with Spencer Rattler, our quarterback, than it was last year with Jalen Hurts. And then a little bit different than it was the year before with Kyler Murray. So you've got to have a system that's flexible enough to, to accentuate the positives of what you have to work with. I've watched Carolina play a lot this year on television. I was kidding with, with Todd Ellis earlier for the last 10 years, every Sunday night, my wife and I, we've always recorded the, the coaches show and just to keep up with Carolina football and what's going on. And so I got a pretty good idea about uh, the players in this program and, and what uh, we do well. But at the end of the day, we want to be tough. It starts with toughness, starts with being physical, Uh, offensively, I think you've got, I know you've got to be multiple and you've got to have the ability to run and pass from a system standpoint. Uh, You've got to be able to do both. This league is too tough. Uh, and and we will be able to do both. You got to be explosive. And today's college football, the name of the game is explosive plays. We've got to be able to uh, create those through scheme and, and through recruiting. And, and we certainly will, but that's what we want to be offensively. And, and then defensively, you got to be multiple. Offenses are too good nowadays. The name of the game is scoring points. And I've seen that the last three years out in Norman. Uh, we'll be about that here at South Carolina uh, for sure. And then from a defensive standpoint, you got to be multiple. You can't line up in the same thing every time and allow teams to, to attack you that way. You've got to be able to affect the quarterback uh, in the in, uh, on defense. And then you've got to be so good fundamentally, fundamentally sound. You've got to be great tacklers, and those things—those are things that I, I believe in, and, and we won't deviate from.
2: Hey, Shane, congratulations! Uh, I'm, I'm curious, what kind of qualities are, are important to you when you look to hire assistant coaches, and, and if you could kind of specifically speak
1: to the coordinator positions about what, qual- what qualities are important there?
0: Yeah, I want guys on this staff that have a lot of the same values I do. Guys that, you know, I, I want high character guys. I want good people. Uh, that are in this program, that are investing in our players' lives each and every day, that uh, are, are setting great examples of the kind of husbands and, and fathers uh, they are to their own families, if they have their, if they have families, and uh, that's you know high character to begin with. You, you're not going to get in the door if you're not uh, with me. One great teachers, uh, X's and O's knowledge, great recruiters, elite recruiters is what we're looking for, and, and a group of guys that are driven and and uh, are not complacent and, and have a passion for this university and advancing this program uh, like I do. And then in regards to the coordinator roles, uh, uh, a lot of that goes back to what I mentioned earlier, just as far as the style of play that we're looking for and what's best for, for, for our program, guys that are, are able to adjust, uh, guys that have great knowledge of X's and O's and, and different systems and, and uh, guys that are proven and have a track record of, of doing it at a, at a high level for a long time is what I'm looking for.
1: Hey Shane, congratulations. Um, You said you wanted to build a premier staff. Do you have a commitment from the university that you can spend money that would be at the high end of the SEC scale in building your staff? And then also, uh, the last few years, South Carolina's had a very small staff of analysts. Would you like a larger staff of analysts and what kind of resumes would you be looking for for that gig?
0: No, there's uh, my conversations with coach Tanner and our leadership. Uh, we went through everything. When we went through staff, uh, we went through support staff. Uh, the, the investment has been uh, made and, and given to me to give us every opportunity, every resource that we need uh, to be successful. I've been around different uh, aspects and, and spectrums when it comes to support staff, recruiting departments and all that. Some programs where uh, you have more than you, know what to do with in a lot of ways to the very smallest scale where it's the the bare minimum so I've seen both I've seen both work uh, and we're going to do what's the best fit for Carolina but I'm confident that anything that we need to to advance this program forward and give us what we need to be successful uh, those assurances have certainly been given to me
2: all right so I like this um, these comments from coach Beamer there's too many coaches now again it's one thing to sit here and say it he's got to do it on the field but too many coaches, I think, that uh, just don't adapt to their personnel. They kind of try to get the personnel to to ad- adapt to what they want to do. And I don't think the probably the greatest football coach of all time, based on what he's done at New England. I mean, he's a damn master of it. Bill Belichick. He he'll switch. He'll completely switch his damn game plan up week to week. I know you can't really do that in college. That may be a poor example. Lane Kiffin. We all know what a great offensive mind he is one year they had you know Blake Sims and, and they made him into a quarterback and it was all about Amari Cooper throwing the ball to Amari Cooper damn near 20 times a game next season who's our best player Derrick Henry let's give it to him 40 times a game so you got to adapt to your stars you got to adapt to what your personnel can do and more than ever in this day and age of football you have to adapt to what your quarterback is able to do. You can't ask him to do things he's he can't do, and it certainly sounds like Shane Beamer fully understands that. And uh, with with guys like Luke Doty, possibly Ryan Halinski, you know that that leaves the door open for what the South Carolina offense could look like. Could be, you know, there's there's many different options here. Even Colin Hill if, should he return, so it, it's tough to it's still it's tough tough to gauge what the South Carolina offense is going to look like. But I do like those comments. From Coach Beamer, and then of course every South Carolina fan wants to know what's the plan for making this a rivalry with Clemson. And he, he didn't refuse to say Clemson. I, you know, it was kind of hokey when they when they <laughs> take that approach. Any coach, uh, but he didn't go that far. But uh, I, I just think that uh, South Carolina fans will appreciate right off immediately. He's got his eye on the Clemson Tigers.
1: Uh, I got three quick ones for you. Uh, It looks like, uh, you know, based on their Twitters, that Travaris Robinson and Kyle Krantz uh, might be moving on. Can you confirm that, number one? Number two, um, if if South Carolina is asked to play in a bowl game, um, is that something you want to do? And then number three, uh, Clemson. Uh, When you left here, things were pretty even between the programs. Uh, Perhaps the Gamecocks were well ahead. It's uh, kind of flipped since you've been gone. What are your plans about uh, attacking the so-called Clemson problem for the Gamecocks?
0: Three questions, Phil, from one end of the spectrum to the other. I see a lot of things haven't changed in the ten years since I uh, since I left. Um, all right, let me back up the the uh, uh, the, the the first one. Uh, I'm conversations that I had with uh, our coaches yesterday. I'll keep between us and and the coaching staff. Uh, there's a, uh, certainly some things that are open ended and and one uh, of uh, keep those conversations private. And, and that's certainly between us in regards to a bowl game, that's probably a better question for coach Tanner and, and, uh, and president Kaslin. But I know for me, if South Carolina is playing in a bowl game, it would be a you know, great resource, great opportunity for me to be able to come over without coaching the bowl game, but at least have a chance to get around here and, uh, watch our guys practice and, and see what we're about on the field. It's, bowl games are always good because in a lot of ways it's an extra spring practice uh you get a chance to get out there and develop young guys and and continue to move this program forward so if if we're able to do that from my standpoint i think that would be great and and uh you mentioned that program in in the upstate and Uh, They're certainly on a pretty good run right now, but when I was here before, we we were on a pretty dang good run ourselves uh, against those guys as well. And uh, it's a a big challenge and and we're going to work every single day in recruiting uh, in this facility uh, to to, to have a team that we can be proud of on the field. And and that'll result uh, with the way we play play on the field and and, uh, certainly great respect for those guys, but looking forward to getting
2: in there and competing. I know
0: that for a fact.
2: So anytime you talk about, uh, you know, the current streak Clemson's got going against South Carolina, every Gamecock I know quickly brings up, well, under Spurrier, and, of course, Shane Beamer was there at the time. We whooped the shit out of Clemson every year. So you kind of had to know Shane Beamer was going to go right to that. That's the swag he's trying to bring back to the South Carolina Gamecock program, and it's one that, uh, you know, for – Will Muschamp, a, a popular guy behind the scenes. I know he didn't win enough. He just has never done that in his head coaching career. But uh, I don't know if he quite got this swagger from him going into this rivalry. So I think that's a that's a big win there for South Carolina. And then uh, let's kick it over to Coach Beamer here on uh, his plans for recruiting and the footprint that uh, he's going to look for to add talent to his South Carolina roster in the years to come.
0: Uh, you mentioned earlier about the recruiting successes that you had your time at South Carolina. We all know what those guys went on to do here. As you're kind of looking for that next group of impact recruits to hopefully bring South Carolina back to that level of success, what are the top? What's at the top of that list of what you're looking for? Out of the guys you're bringing into this program? Cool. To me, guys that want to be here and guys that want to uh, represent this great program and take great pride in being a football player at the University of South Carolina. I told the players yesterday how a core value that is very big with me in my life on and off the field is gratitude and how grateful I am for this opportunity that's been given to me to be the head football coach here. And I want a team that feels the same way and understands what an amazing opportunity and how special it is to be a Gamecock. Uh, That's what I want to begin with is, is guys that want to be here. And then obviously every position has physical attributes that you're looking for. But at the end of the day, if you have a bunch of guys that are high character, extremely competitive and have a passion for playing football that rest, the rest of that stuff will take care of itself so those are guys that we're going to uh those are the guys that we're going to target those are the guys that we're going to recruit and, and have a bunch of guys out there that that um are as grateful to be a Gamecock as i am And hey,
1: coach, sort of on that
0: subject what, what are going to be some of the areas that, that you'll try to uh, focus on and recruit? Obviously in state is a big one, but what some of the other states and regions uh, around the country that you think will be go you with know, There's players and uh, you know, I'm, uh, I've always recruited this region and have a lot of ties and, and I've recruited North Carolina. I've recruited South Carolina. I've recruited Georgia. I've recruited Florida. I've been in Tennessee recruiting. Obviously I'm from Virginia. We've had a great amount of success with players from Virginia and, and uh, Washington, DC and Maryland. And that's an area that I want to continue to tap into. And I say that I've heard from a lot of high school coaches. I've heard from a lot of high school coaches too. In uh in, in Virginia and in the surrounding areas as well that, that either I played with in college or have known for a long, long time. So it's exciting to have those guys reach out. And then a great experience for me too, was being at Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma's, University of Oklahoma is in a state that doesn't produce a lot of uh, uh, power five football players each and every year. So because of that, we had to recruit nationally at Oklahoma. So I was able to develop ties, uh, really anywhere in the, uh, throughout the country, re- recruiting players uh, for OU. It never stopped here in this area we're always going to start in in South Carolina Uh, we saw the 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 foundation was laid here 10 years ago uh, with great players from this state so we're always going to start right here in this state with the great high school football players the great high school programs and and the amazing high school coaches Uh, but then my connections in these surrounding areas as well is is one that we're going to dive into and and uh, it's we're in a great location uh, close to so much if you talk about a three hour radius, four hour radius just around Columbia. There's so many great players in here and and there's absolutely no reason why a guy would not want to come play football here at the University of South Carolina. And if you're a guy in this state, if you're a young man in this state, understanding that you can accomplish all of your goals on and off the field, right here in Columbia. And you don't have to go anywhere else to do that. That was what we talked to Alshon Jeffrey about when I sat in his living room, when we were recruiting him. That's what we talked to Marcus Lattimore about. That's what we talked to Stephon Gilmore, Devonte Holloman. Uh, we talked to all those guys about that. I can go on and on. I know I'm leaving a ton of guys out, but it's true. And uh, that certainly hasn't changed. And if anything, it's only increased that opportunity and, and the possibility to do that because of what's been built around here and the way this program has been advanced. Obviously a lot of college coaches uh, use some sort of a hashtag or whatever online to signify they've gotten a new guy? Have you already come up with something along those lines or will you stick to what's been used around here recently? Or have you uh, gotten we're, gotten Excuse it? me, we're going to work on that. Uh, obviously, we've got amazingly talented guys uh, in this building, guys like Justin King and, and his staff and our recruiting department. We'll figure out the best way uh, of going forward. We plan on using that quite a bit a lot or quite a bit uh, as we get this recruiting going for sure and want to do something that's uh, that's good for all of us and that's certainly one of the things that we need to attack
2: uh, going forward and figure out a plan on that All right so you know that I think that's one thing that gets lost during the Spurrier era everyone talks about uh, you know maybe some of the powers in the east were down and Steve Spurrier was a historically great coach one of the best college football coaches of all time both things can be true but at the same time Uh, the state of South Carolina was going through a a historically great time when it comes to talent coming out of there and that's not always going to be the case but hell last time I checked there's five stars and four stars uh, coming in annually in the state of South Carolina and the Gamecocks have been getting a lot of those guys here in recent years so that can can continue to be true but I love the fact that Shane Beamer is uh, you know not, not that he's doing anything revolutionary here but just he mentions all the areas he's going to have to be recruiting, going into, uh, obviously, the Carolinas, but Virginia and Tennessee and Georgia and, you know, throughout his years, Maryland and, uh, you know, the D.C. area. That's becoming a huge, huge area if you don't follow recruiting. There are several powerhouse programs up there. Hell, HBO, if you missed it, they just recently did a series, kind of like a, a Last Chance U-type although not that great. it's not Juco football, but high school football up there in, in Maryland. I mean, it, it's a, it's tough, tough football being played up there. And you're seeing tons, tons of guys from all across the SEC, Alabama, Tennessee, and Georgia, all these schools. They're recruiting these, uh these Maryland programs really hard. So there's another area and uh, held uh Marshawn Lloyd. He comes from up there and we all know, of course, we didn't get to see him on the field this year, but we were so hyped to, to get him there. So, there's a lot of talent in the regions that Shane Beamer just identified, and that's what you got to do at South Carolina if you're going to be an SEC and a national contender. You can't just lean locally. You got to branch out. Obviously, you you may not have to go nationally, but if you just cover that Eastern Seaboard region and and the states he covered there, I mean, South Carolina could have a hell of a roster. So that's going to be something to uh, To focus on and then one other key thing here i really wanted to you know he said the right thing here but just want to weigh weigh in on this i i shared my thoughts on twitter and some fans were kind of i don't know they it it, we just had some interesting interactions here but uh let's kick it over to shane beamer last thing here on his uh philosophy on scheduling
1: uh, it was just, you know, you have the relationships at Oklahoma and Virginia Tech. Are those schools that you would like to schedule games with down the
0: road? Yeah, well, Coach Tanner and, and Chance Miller, they've done a great job of uh, uh, scheduling us out, you know, for the immediate uh, future and, and our future opponents, which I'm, which I'm excited about, and teams in this region and, and some natural rivals, which uh, which I'm certainly excited about as well. And as we dive into that, yeah, I mean, any – uh, we'll play anyone, anywhere, and uh, we're excited about that, and and excited to go uh, of going to compete. And we'll work with uh, Coach and Chance and our administration on on any future opponents as well. What's best for Carolina, and I know there's some games I believe that haven't been announced that are going to be exciting as as well going forward that that I'm certainly looking forward to also. All right, so
2: Coach said the right thing here: you play anyone, anywhere. But, and I agree, he's got to say that. I mean, that's what you got to be selling. That's what you got to be saying. But in my opinion. This is the wrong attitude to have behind the scenes. Just look at it this way, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the South Carolina program, but you're playing in the damn SEC right now. You're behind Georgia, Florida, Texas A&M, who you have to play annually. Even though Tennessee's bad, you're hell, you lost two in a row to them. There's been a stretch where you can't even beat Kentucky. So I'm not saying that's always going to be the case. Clearly, it's not, hell, you Shane Bieber last time he was here we had 3 11 win seasons but we're not at that point right now and what doomed Muschamp was losing these damn games he shouldn't have been losing like north carolina like appalachian state and the fact that you got to play clemson who is arguably the you know second or third best program in the nation right now on top of all those sec teams i just said you got to look at it like this and i'm not trying to compare your program to kentucky because i know you know every South Carolina fan thinks that they got hell. Every SEC program thinks their their program's better than the rest of the SEC. But you can you can take what others have done and learn from it. And this is something Shane and I have been kind of hitting at this season. Kentucky's record this year obviously very disappointed in what they're doing. But look at what they do in the non-conference. They yes they play Louisville every year, but the rest the rest are joke games. They're they're games that 99 out of 100 they're going to win. I'm talking Toledo, Eastern Michigan, UT Martin. That was Kentucky's non-conference schedule in 2019. And South Carolina fans may not want to hear this, but those that's what you got to do. If you want the Shane Beamer era to be successful, schedule you up 3 layups every single year because you are not you're doing your your program a disservice by scheduling, I don't care who it is, NC State, Virginia Tech, Virginia. I know these are like fun games. But until you get your program to the level you want it to be at, that's just crazy. That's that's just crazy. You're gonna you're putting your coach behind the eight ball. And what you're doing, every time you schedule uh, those games, you're basically saying, you know, it's going to be 50-50, 40-60, maybe 60-40 that we go to the postseason. And that's not what you want with a coach coach. With a new coach, new era, it's gonna may take a couple years to get this thing where you want it to be. You want it to be make it as easy as you can. Win your three non-conference games automatically every year. Hell, I'd be buying people out. I don't care what they think, uh, what anybody says about uh, you know you being chicken and, and showing weakness. To hell with that. You know what's not weak is winning football games and getting the program turned around and, and getting recruiting. You're going to have so many games that are marquee games, playing in the SEC, playing Clemson. You don't need these games. They're At this point, they're holding you back. That's all they're doing. So, like I said, I mean, Shane Beamer's saying the right things. You, you certainly don't want to say that in your opening presser. But if I were him, if I, I would be getting with Ray Tanner and uh, President Caslin and saying you know, I don't know who's on the schedule in the in the years. I, I probably should have looked this up right before I sh- spieled on here. But I know they they love playing these ACC teams for some damn reason. You can't – I'm not saying you can't beat them. You should be able to beat all of them. That's the problem. And when you, not, when you don't beat them, then the pressure rises. Then fans start calling you out. Then, uh, you know, it just snowballs. So get you some cupcakes in there. If you have three games like that a year, all you got to do is win three SEC games or two in the Clemson game, and you're going to the postseason. I mean, this is uh, this is simple shit here. So that's my only takeaway, uh, negative. And I, that's not even really a negative because it's not on him and he's saying the right thing. So that's something to consider moving forward if I'm a South Carolina fan. You just got to help your coach out. Young coach, inexperienced as a head coach, not inexperienced, Coaching wise, but that's something to consider. And oh boy, big news here! Right before I started, uh, I was I was winding down here. Star freshman LSU, my man Eric Gilbert, cons- is heavily considering leaving LSU and missed practice today. Sources tell the Athletic. Two four seven Sports first to report. Oh shit! Well, I've I credited the wrong people here. I guess. Uh, but, uh, my God. My God. The guy I've been hyping up. This is uh, this going to be devastating here for Coach O if Eric Gilbert leaves. Homesick. Gilbert has been homesick since he arrived. Sources say and LSU is fighting to keep him. And, of course, he's from Georgia. Picked LSU over Alabama and Georgia. And Tennessee, I think, was a distant beyond was was well beyond there so if he's homesick oh lordy georgia bulldogs i'm not saying i'm not saying it but i'm kind of saying it hell alabama's would probably be in consideration that doesn't fit with the uh, homesick narrative here but whew, just when things were getting just with just when things were getting man i'm i'm like frazzled here i mean my god it's <laughs> my guy my guy here eric gilbert Consider it now, nothing official, of course, but heavily considering it. That's pretty strong right there. Leaving LSU did not go to practice on Monday. So I think I know what we're going to be talking about all week here. <laughs> but uh, them Tigers, Ken, we're sputtering here. We're playing Florida this week. We're going to need 40, 50 points to win this game like we did last week. And you ain't going to get it done without Eric Gilbert. So, man, this has been the sorriest, most negative. SEC podcasts in history. So I do apologize for that. I need cousin Shane to be here to lift me up. But hey, South Carolina fans are feeling good. We got Shane Bieber in the house. He's making people tear up on Twitter. Everyone's bought in. He's won the press conference. Paul Feinbaum loves him. Tim Brando loves him. JC Sherbert out there loves him. Our guy JC. So <laughs> everybody's loving him, and why not? I think he's. Uh, Going to do wonders there for Carolina, bring them back to respectability. But, uh, hey, we got pl- tons of stuff coming up on the podcast all week. We're going to be breaking down these matchups. Kind of wanted to wait for Cousin Shane. And, uh, hey, we just got word here. Looks like we are going to have T-shirts. Uh-oh. People have been wondering about that for a long time. Finally partnered up with a company called T Public, I believe is the name of Tee Public, like publicschool.com. We'll have more information on that in the days to come. And uh, we'll start putting that in the show notes and get you a T-shirt. We're going to have basically, I think, all the the team shirts, any size. I've ordered one of these shirts already. They're outstanding shirts. So that's something to... uh, to keep in the back of your mind, if you want to support the podcast, each and every one of those uh, would be great. And uh, hey, I guess that's going to do it. I'm spieling here. I'm, I'm still frazzled by this uh, Eric Gilbert news. <laughs> but uh, thanks for tuning in. Oh, and if you made it this far, of course, I'm so frazzled I forgot to, to tell you to leave a review. Give us a five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. We really do appreciate each and every one of those. We'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that. But that's going to do it. I uh, hope Shane had a you know, a fun time being lazy at home, whatever the hell he's doing. <laughs> hope he returns on the next one. But uh, thanks for uh, listening to my spiel here. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one.